Good morning. It is a delight to open God's Word with you again this morning. I remember when my wife Beth was pregnant with our first child. I was at first afraid, but then slowly and slowly got more and more excited to be a new dad. I was so excited, I was often reading and doing research to find out more about this baby that was growing in my wife's belly. And I remember reading that babies can hear sounds in the womb and can even begin to recognize voices. I knew that she would recognize her mother's voice because that was the voice that was so often there. So I was often at nighttime talking with our baby so that she would recognize my voice too. Speaking with her, telling her who I was, telling her that I loved her. Singing to her, even at times reading scripture to her and praying with her. I also remember the moment when my daughter was born. The moment of seeing her for the first time. And I remember her loud cries piercing the delivery room after a very long 25-hour labor. And I remember as the nurses were busy checking her vitals, I remember her crying inconsolably. So after checking to make sure that my wife was okay, I went over to comfort her. And I remember bending down and quietly speaking to her and letting her know who I was. It's me. It's Daddy. I'm here. I remember almost instantly she went from crying inconsolably to stopping. She was calmed by the sound of her Daddy's voice. And she stopped crying began to squint and to open her eyes to look into her daddy's face. My daughter, just born, recognized her father's voice. The passage we will be studying this morning are words spoken by a loving father, and this father is teaching his son to recognize a single voice out of the many voices in the world vying for his attention. This father is teaching his son to recognize the voice of wisdom. Turn with me to Proverbs 1. Verses 8 to 33. Last week we began a series in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And in the introductory verses, verses 1 to 7, we saw that Proverbs is God's education course in true wisdom. Proverbs is God's education course in true wisdom. And for this course to have its effect, the student needs to have a humble heart and ears open to wisdom. But as we'll see in this next section of Proverbs... It isn't always easy to tell the difference between the voice of wisdom and the voice of folly, the voice of wisdom and the voice of foolishness. But if we are to stay on wisdom's path, the path that leads to God and to eternal life, our lives depend on having ears that recognize wisdom's voice. A quick note on the context of the book. Proverbs, as we saw last week, is one of the wisdom books in the Old Testament. And the book is in large part written by King Solomon as you see there in chapter 1 and verse 1, the son of David, the king of Israel. At the beginning of Solomon's reign, as king, God came to him at night in a dream and said, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon, being humble, asked for wisdom. He asked for knowledge. And God, delighted with his request, gave him wisdom in abundance. And the book of Proverbs, in large part, is a collection of Solomon's divinely inspired wisdom. And as we saw in the book's key verse last week, chapter 1 and verse 7, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Regarding God as our creator and our judge. 
seeing him and understanding who he is and then seeing all of life in light of him is this fear of the Lord that the book of Proverbs talks about. But in order to grow in wisdom, the student will have to learn to tell the difference between a wise voice and a foolish one. So this morning we'll be looking at Proverbs 1, 8 to 33. And the main point, if you're taking notes, is this. The main point, God's children recognize and listen to wisdom's voice. God's children recognize and listen to wisdom's voice. And we'll have three sections this morning. And these three sections are the three voices in our passage. Number one, wise parents, verses 8 and 9. Wise parents. Number two, wicked men, verses 10 to 19. Wicked men. And number three, woman wisdom, verses 20 to 33. Woman wisdom. So these three voices, wise parents, wicked men, and woman wisdom. I pray that this morning we would have ears that are attuned to God's, uh, to wisdom's voice and hearts that believe the truth and feet that follow on. Let's begin with point number one, wise parents, wise parents. We saw last week that the truly wise listen to wisdom. And in this section, we see that it is God's plan, his design for children to hear wisdom first from their parents. It's God's design for children to hear wisdom first from their parents. Let's read the first two verses in the passage. I'll begin reading in Proverbs 1 and verse 8. This is God's word. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants, for your neck. Here is a father addressing his young son, teaching him to listen to the wisdom of godly parents. He begins with a command in verse 8 in the positive, hear, my son, your father's instruction. And then a command in the negative, do not forsake, forsake not your mother's teaching. You see here that it's God's plan, part of his design for children to have both a father and a mother. And then the father gives a promise in the form of two metaphors. He says that the father's instruction and the mother's teaching are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. These are symbols of beauty and blessing, a a wreath for the head or a crown and pendants or a golden necklace for the neck. These are symbols of beauty and blessing, obvious to others that represent such godly wisdom in the life of a child. The instruction of wise parents, when heard and followed, will adorn the child with blessing. Look for a moment the picture given here of the blessing of older, wiser people in the life of a young person. And consider for a moment how different the perspective can be in our day and age. So often those that are older are disregarded by young people, seen as obsolete or out of touch with our modern age. Youth and young adults especially are prone to dismiss and disregard their parents' advice rather than listening. But the biblical picture is quite different. Do you see that? The Bible gives us an image of older people as wise, as experienced, as worthy of our respect and our attention. And the book of Proverbs lays out 
for us the pattern of the young and the inexperienced learning to humbly listen to those that are older, to those that are wiser, hopefully found first in the voices of their parents. Do you, do you see here that the Bible lays a picture of seeing authority as a good thing? Parents are one form of God's good and loving authority, delegated authority that we have in our lives. And this authority that is given to us is good. So often in our day and age, we think that authority, just because it is authority, is bad, and we are suspicious of it. But parents, let me encourage you. You have been given authority as parents, delegated from God himself delegated authority from him. And it's been given to you to reflect something of what he is like in his good and loving authority over his people and over his creation. And so let me encourage you, parents, to reflect God in the way that you care for your children, to reflect him in his loving authority seen most clearly in our Savior, the good shepherd who cares for his sheep, who even lays down his life for the sheep to protect them, to keep them safe, and to care for them. Children and young people, let me encourage you. It is God's kindness to you to bless you with parents. And if your parents are Christians, you are doubly blessed. Listen to them. They are God's gifts to you. You can hear God's voice in the voice of your Christian parents. It may be that some of you haven't experienced the blessing of Christian parents. Perhaps your parents weren't wise. Perhaps it has been better for you often to forget their voices and their words rather than to remember. Let me encourage you, if you're here and hurting as you consider the memory of your parents, know this. God is a heavenly father and he is a perfect father and he will care for you. As a perfect father, he will never fail you. And as you read his words in the Bible, know that they are spoken out of the heart of a loving father who can be yours if you will trust in Christ. This passage is a natural application of the family program explained in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses lays out the law and then he calls Israel to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then he tells them that these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then Deuteronomy 6, 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The picture Moses gives of parents who love God, teaching their children about God, his salvation, his ways, his commands, speaking of him at all times in day-to-day life, when they're rising, when they're sitting, when they're walking, at night when they're lying down. This is a picture of constant dialogue. But not just constant dialogue, constant dialogue about God between parents and children. And in this way, through regular conversation, they are raising their children to know God too, to be in a relationship with Him through repentance and faith and then obedience. So let me encourage you, parents, to have your mouths filled, not with so many words and commands that so often fill our mouths. Do this, don't do this, drop this, pick this up. 
get dressed, clean up, hurry up, we're late. But to also have our mouths filled with positive instruction, with teaching about God, about who he is, about what he's like, and about what he calls us to be as his children. Too often we as parents forget to give our children the teaching and instruction they so desperately need. But let me also hold out to you the picture that we see in the New Testament of not only the family as a home, but the church as a spiritual home and a spiritual family. We see throughout the New Testament the church itself pictured as a house, a home for Christians, a place of safety and of protection for Christians, and a place where there can be the kind of spiritual relationships of spiritual fathers and mothers with spiritual children. We see the Apostle Paul refer to Timothy and Titus both as his true sons in a common faith, as those that are his spiritual children, and he loves them dearly as he teaches them and trades them and guides them as a faithful spiritual father. We see in 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, Paul's instruction to Timothy on how to relate to everyone in the church. And he uses family language. He says, you should be regarding the older men as fathers, the older women as mothers, the younger men as brothers, the younger women as sisters with all purity. Let me encourage you, Christian, to make the church your spiritual home and the people in the church your spiritual family. Well, that is the first voice, wise parents. This brings us to the second voice the one the father warns his son to reject, the voice of wicked men. Point number two, wicked men. The voice of the father will continue in these first nine chapters of Proverbs as he addresses his son over and over again, reminding us that it is the father's voice we are hearing. Pick up Proverbs quickly and skim with me these verses. Look at Proverbs 1.8. Here, my son. Look at Proverbs 2. One, my son, if you receive my words, look at Proverbs 3, 1, my son, do not forget my teaching. Look at Proverbs 3, 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. 3, 21, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Look at 4, 1, here, O sons, now in the plural of father's instruction. And then in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4, his reflection on his own father's teaching to him. It's now being passed down from one generation to the next. And if you read through the rest of chapters 1 through 9, you see this address repeated over and over again. The father addressing his son. His words are full of teaching and instruction. And as we find here, even some words of warning. The father will warn his son about different kinds of people and evil influences. But he begins here with his first warning against wicked men, the influence of peers, other young men, who are bent on evil. Let's pick up reading in verse 10, and we'll read 10 to 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste 
to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. You see here the Father's warning against the dangerous influence of evil men. Peer pressure on young people, particularly on young men, is a powerful force. Look at what these wicked men are offering to the youth that is so attractive to young men. Acceptance. Identity. Friendship camaraderie, and even the offer of material possessions and of together with these other wicked people having all things in common. Community. Money. Security. We saw last week the, the, the key to the book of Proverbs, the, the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. A regard for God more than a regard for anything or anyone else. Contrasted with that, here we see the fear of man. We see a a concern for what people think of us and being accepted with people as more important and of more value than of being accepted by God. These young men are glorifying evil. They're making sin and wickedness look attractive. They're making evil out to be good. Look at the language they use in verses 11 and 12. They're lying in wait for blood, ambushing the innocent without reason. They're using the language of death and of the grave as if it's cool and attractive because they are taking people's lives into their own hands. They are being strong like death and saying, let us swallow them alive. Let us swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit. It's interesting that this gang of thugs sounds like any gang of young men today. The kinds of gangs the father warns his son about 3,000 years ago are exactly like the ones we find in our city, in our country today, or any country in the world. This passage is giving us a glimpse into the inherent depravity of man. This passage is quoted by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3 as he describes the sinfulness of man. He quotes this section, their feet are swift to shed blood. See that sin is inside of us, not outside of us. While there is a warning here from fathers to avoid the temptation and enticement of other men, that temptation reaches us on the inside, our dark and sinful hearts. It is our hearts that are attracted to such evil. But each one of us has a choice to make, to either turn from sin and even other sinners, to repent of that sin and to seek God's salvation, His only remedy for our sin, found in the person of Jesus Christ. Or, we can choose to give in to the temptation and the influence of sinners, to the point of being won over to sin and hardened in our disobedience. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The wise father here warns his son to avoid such evil friends and companions. I remember when I was a young man, a teenager, and I was about 12 or 13. I had a friend in my youth group 
who I thought was so cool. And I wanted to spend all of my time with my friend Scott. And I wanted to be like Scott. I wanted to dress like Scott. I wanted to act like Scott and do all the things that Scott did. And one day I asked my dad if I could go over to Scott's house. And he said, no. And I said, what? Why? And he said, son, I don't like the person you are when you are hanging out with Scott. So I don't want you to spend time with him. I was so angry. I was unbelievably angry at my dad. But he sat me down and had a conversation with me that I will never forget. He said, son, I want you to learn to be a leader and to lead people into doing things that are good. When you spend time with Scott, you are a follower and you follow him into doing things that are not good. And I don't want that for you. I was still angry at my dad. But his words resonated with me. And I never forgot them. And I was thankful for them. So parents, let me encourage you, watch your children's companions. You can tell what a young person will become by looking at his or her friends. And it may even be that you have to make the choice of which friends your kids can spend time with while they are still under your roof and still under your authority. Let me encourage you, children and youth, young people, Know this, you are deciding today the person that you will become by the choice of your friends. Your friends will have an incredible influence on you, either for good or for evil. And let me encourage you not to take it lightly who it is that you choose for your friends. In contrast with the picture laid here of the camaraderie of this gang, we see in the New Testament a picture of church membership, which is just the opposite. A picture of church membership where brothers and sisters in Christ have all things in common and they spend their time encouraging each other to love and to good deeds, not encouraging each other to do what is evil or to turn evil into looking good. Notice here that the warning includes a declaration by the father about the future of these evil men. This isn't just a father seeking to keep his son from getting into a little trouble. No, these men are on a path to hell. These men are on a path into the just wrath and punishment of God. God's wrath is coming for them. And the concern of the father is that his son not follow them in this path and eventually be destroyed by God's just wrath against sin. But read again. The language is so thick and strong with irony. Look at verses 17 and following again. He says, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. Or in other words, if you're trying to trap an animal, don't set up the trap in such a way that they see it and avoid it. But he says in verse 18, these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Do you see the irony here? They think that they're trapping other people and taking their possessions. But they're actually entrapping themselves. Or verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. These people are lying in wait for their own blood. They are taking their own lives away. They are killing themselves. They are, by their evil deeds, taking their own lives and condemning themselves. But notice at the end there of verse 19, the end of the section. There's a broader application here. I think many of us can read a section like this and think, I'm so glad I'm not these evil men. 
But look at the broad application that suddenly happens in verse 19. He says, such are the ways not just of these evil men who are in these gangs, who are seeking to kill and to destroy. He says, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. You see, those that are going to be judged by God aren't just those who are greedy in this extreme form, but those that are greedy in any form. The issue is an issue of the heart. Perhaps you think I'm not evil like these men, but perhaps you are still as greedy for unjust gain. You may not have You may not just have been given the opportunity to sin in such great ways, but you may have the same heart in your own chest. But know that God will judge all wrongdoing. And this picture here is not the fear of the Lord that God calls us to. But there is a solution to all of us who find such greed and such evil in our hearts. And it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. The one who faced serious temptation. Temptation like the temptation that this young man will face. Temptation from the evil one. And when he was offered all kinds of material possessions and all kinds of things that the world has to offer, rather than fearing men or fearing Satan, he showed his fear of God first and foremost. He listened to the voice of his father. He quoted God's word back to the evil one. But he not only withstood this temptation, he went to the cross to deal a death blow to sin and to judgment. And as 1 Corinthians 15 puts it, out of his love for sinners, he swallowed death for you and for me. He swallowed death whole and took it himself so that we could go free. Well, the voice of the wise father has warned his son to reject the voice of evil men. But now, in contrast, the writer holds out the voice that we must all listen to, the voice of woman wisdom. And that's section number three, woman wisdom. Section number three, woman wisdom. The third voice in our passage is the voice of wisdom personified as a woman. Let's read together verses 20 to 33. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me 
will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Woman wisdom is here pictured in a poetic image. She is the personification of God's wisdom. Wisdom in the form of a person. God's wisdom imagined as a woman. Now she'll be contrasted later in these early chapters of Proverbs with woman folly, who is an image of a a pagan goddess, an image of what true foolishness looks like, inviting men into idolatry and sin. In contrast, woman wisdom invites the simple, the young, and even the wise to listen to her and to find peace and safety in the presence of God. We have similar images, even in our own country, images like Lady Liberty or Lady Justice. I don't know how many of you have seen the Statue of Liberty, but she is to be a symbol of liberty and freedom, personified as a woman with a torch, holding out truth and leading people and holding the law in her other hand, leading people to freedom. In this section, woman wisdom is pictured in a marketplace, an interesting setting, as perhaps a a market seller or vendor or even a street preacher or an evangelist. She's calling out in the marketplace to any that would listen to her, would buy what she is selling. And she's calling for all to listen, to have ears for wisdom. And she calls all kinds of people to listen to her, to hear her voice and to follow her. She calls particularly to the same person we discussed last week, the the simple ones, those that are young and inexperienced, those that are easily manipulated and so easily led astray. And she calls to them to hear her voice and to follow her. And look at her promise. Verse 23. If you turn at my reproof or correction, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. You see here, God's wisdom being offered to any that will truly listen and heed his voice. In um, the Baptist pastor John Bunyan's helpful book, Pilgrim's Progress, one of the most famous of Christian books, he imagines the Christian life as a journey from, um, from earth to heaven. And his characters, Christian and faithful, find themselves on life's journey in a city called Vanity Fair. And in this city called Vanity Fair, which is an image of all of the, the lusts and the desires of this world that are on offer to people if they, if they want them. And it's a picture of a marketplace like this with all kinds of idols and possessions and material things of this world being offered and Christian and faithful as they go through Vanity Fair and are having the things of this world offered to them, they plug their ears and say to these market sellers, no, we buy the truth. Do you see here that we are in a marketplace in this world and there are all kinds of things being offered to us, all kinds of delights that this world has to offer that seem good, that sound good, that even may taste good for a time. But, but if we are truly to know God, to find salvation, and to one day end up in the celestial city, as John Bunyan pictures it, the city of heaven, we need to be able to plug our ears to every other voice and to listen to the voice of wisdom. If you're here and you're not a Christian, 
Today, you can listen to wisdom's voice. And today can be for you the day of salvation. Today, if you can hear this message, if you can read this text of Scripture, it is not too late. Wisdom, God's wisdom is available to you. If you will humble yourself and listen, God himself is available to you. If you will listen and hear and believe, if you would repent of your sin and trust in Christ for your salvation. You see, the Bible is clear that all of us are sinners naturally, that we have all rebelled against God as our creator and judge. But the wonderful message that we find here in scripture is that that is not the end of the story. Though we all deserve God's judgment, God made a way for sinners like us to be reconciled with him, a holy God, through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God, become man, God in a a human body who lived a perfect life on this earth and who died on a criminal's cross to pay the penalty that our sins deserved. So that if we would repent of our sins and trust in him, his perfect life would be applied to us. His death on the cross would pay for our sins. And our sins would be put on him. And his, in his resurrection, as he rose from the grave, we too would be given new life. A life where we can now relate to God, not as our judge, but as our father. And can now be a part of his family forever. But as you notice here, there is a day coming. If you do not turn to wisdom's rebuke and listen to her call, There is a day coming when salvation will no longer be possible. Look at verse 24. A day when wisdom rejected will become no longer your friend, your teacher, and your guide, but now your enemy. Look at verse 24. Because you have called and you because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. The scoffer will one day reach a point where he is beyond the hope of salvation. And now wisdom will scoff at such a person. Wisdom will see this person now as the enemy that they have become. And the ultimate result of rejecting wisdom's voice, rejecting God's voice, is destruction and judgment that will come without warning and when you least expect it. And on that day, you will wish that you had listened to wisdom while you had a moment. So let me encourage you, if you're here and you're not a Christian, do not delay. Heed wisdom's call and wisdom's voice and run to God. The one who has his ears attuned to wisdom are those who are God's children. Look at the end there. Verse 33. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. There's a a video I saw recently on YouTube of a flock of sheep and a shepherd who is um, explaining to visitors to his ranch something about the, the job of a shepherd. And he's teaching these people about the different calls that he makes to his sheep and how they respond to his voice. And he teaches them what the call sounds like when he is calling the sheep to follow him. And one by one, each of the people there that have visited and have learned the sounds to give to the sheep begin making the call. And the sheep just stand there in a flock, 
staring at these people who are making the call and not responding. And then after each of them tries and fails, the shepherd goes around to the opposite side and makes the same call, but they recognize his voice and instantly the sheep run to that shepherd. They recognize not just the general sound of the call, but the specific voice of their shepherd. Our our main point from this passage was that God's children recognize and listen to wisdom's voice. Well, wisdom's voice is heard most clearly in the, the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, who says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. And my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And I give to them eternal life. Those who have ears attuned to wisdom, those who recognize wisdom's voice and listen to her, will hear the shepherd's call to follow him. And they will follow him all the way home. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you have revealed wisdom to us in your word. And that you have revealed wisdom to us most clearly in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would give ears to each one here, to hear wisdom's call and wisdom's voice. That they would hear the voice of Jesus as their own shepherd. That they would follow him to salvation and to eternal life. We pray that you would help each one of us to recognize the voice of evil that is around us in the many voices that are vying for our attention. We would be able to filter out those other voices in order to hear your voice clearly and to respond to it as as your children. We pray that you would do this by your spirit for your glory and for the good of your children. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.